Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Leeds Library, the Leeds Library's podcast series in which we talk to members of our extended community about their lives, their work, and their relationship to books, libraries, and literature. Founded in 1768, the Leeds Library is the oldest surviving subscription library in the UK, and throughout this series we'll also be diving periodically into the library's rich history to find out what makes us and our members one of the most interesting and unique cultural institutions in Leeds and the UK. I'm Molly McGrath, the Projects Assistant at the Leeds Library, and today my guests are Nimi, the Archives Assistant, and Anna, the Assistant Librarian. Nimi joined the library in February to assist with the archives and collections. She's since gotten her hands deep into its papers and records, which span the entirety of the library's history. She spends most of her days listing and cataloguing boxes. Anna has been working at the Leeds Library for over 20 years, so she knows the collections and the archives inside out. But aside from her expert knowledge of libraries and books, Anna is also an expert in the paranormal, and you may remember her from our previous episode about the ghost. Hello, welcome Anna and Nimi uh, to the podcast. So this is a kind of a slightly different podcast today because we're going to be having a chat about the archives at the library. Um, Anna, you've already featured on one episode before talking about the ghost. I have indeed, yes. So this is a slightly different hat for you, but you have done a lot of work with the archives before and Nimi, you've been um, cataloguing, not cataloguing, archiving listing yeah uh, going through the archives recently so i think the first the first thing to to kind of say is what are the archives uh what's their background why do we keep them why do we have all of these bits of ephemera (laughs) from the library's history it's it's well it's a record of the institution and it's it's operations so you know it's it's actually quite important in terms of library history and certainly subscription library history because we're the oldest surviving Mm. and that we've still got it so it's a good job somebody kept something Um, or many things and many things and many things Um, but yeah it's really it's it's that record of of how you operated what things were borrowed what people were requesting Um, you've got all Mm. your correspondence and things like that so your day-to-day operations but it's really sort of just building up that picture of an institution and the sorts of things that people are interested in you know other places will throw them away businesses throw them away and then you've got people coming to do research and there's no trace Mm. so having this information having it gives you an understanding of where you've come from and where you are now and that's a a sense of context as well so and i also think they have a lot of value not just kind of for library history but also just the general history of like the uk i think and leeds especially because it's the library has been here for so long it's kind of been um, a kind of institution, as it were. It kind of has watched Leeds grow up, really. Mm. Um, and I think that that's reflected in, you know, a lot of letters that maybe the library didn't think about a lot about at the time. But looking back on now, I'm like, oh, this kind of indicates when electric lights were becoming more ubiquitous mm-hmm. in the country and like when they were becoming more used. And um, it's really interesting stuff like that. And actually, I think that it's interesting that you're talking about the history of libraries, because in many ways, the history of libraries is the history of reading and it's the history mm-hmm. of education and it's the history yes. of social mobility mm-hmm. and all of these things tie into that. And yeah, like you were saying, as the oldest proprietary mm-hmm. subscription library of its kind, it's such yeah. a long sentence, uh, it's 
that stuff is really useful. Yeah, especially as, you know, you've also kind of got the correspondence between, like, the Leeds Library and the Leeds Central Public Library, mm. because, you know, we, we predate the Central Library, um, so it's very interesting to kind of note when you start to see correspondence between the two, but also kind of correspondence from the library being like, look, I, I'm sorry that we haven't got your thing. It might have been sent to the Central Library. It's the Post people. They do it all the time. <laughs> I haven't found the first one yet, but I'm looking. Yeah, well, like you were saying, Anna, things don't change. No, they, <laughs> no. they really don't. They really don't. I mean, and the other thing I'll sort of say, like, um, in terms of, you know, the archive, knowing who your members were, so that little interest of mine that I have with the education section, mm. knowing who the membership were and who the lady members were and their activities with education and working class education at some point when I have time, that enables you to go and actually have a look and see what they were doing. But again, that sort of reflects that mm. wider interest in leads and, you know, education and things. So It's interesting, I think, to think about, because... The archive in many ways explains a lot of the collection. Mm. It, it explains why we have certain mm. books on certain things, where they yeah. came from, mm. um, which is really useful and interesting and it really enriches the collection. But also in a lot of ways, I think it can actually raise more questions than it answers. Oh, definitely. And you were talking about, um, yeah, these, these, these bits of correspondence that you'll just never know. You yeah. never know the context. My the one that like kind of bugs at me the most. I know I'll never get an answer for it, but it was I can't remember what library it was, but it was with another circulating library. Um oh, when was it? Like like the nineteen twenties, I want to say maybe, or maybe earlier than that. But it was just kind of a, you know, bog standard like business letter. And then at the end at the end the writer says, I got the rumour R E J Y W M from a prominent member of the Library Association. It may be true or not, but would you be very surprised? Remember his abnormal chuck, and that's in, in quotation marks, kind regards, and I was just sitting there like, what does that mean? <laughs> What's the rumour? And I'll never know, mm. and all of these people are dead, and Is I really need to know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And just, um, when you told me about it before, I didn't twig, but like, just, yeah, the initials. Maybe, I guess we'll never know. If, if you, dear listener, do know, please email me. <laughs> this has turned into a, a mystery-solving podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just that mystery. It's probably really boring, but I just need to know. It's where you find, we know we've got the letterbooks, haven't we? So we've mm. got the correspondence that we, you know, we've received, but there's letterbooks, okay. letters that we've sent out, but they're not complete. Because I'd said to you, mm. didn't I, email about, oh, I had this idea to go check and see what what we'd sent out and the you know the response and of course the, the letter wasn't in there mm. i mean again the records are complete but we had it for those years yeah and yet somebody sent a letter out and it's not recorded in the letter book yeah that's, that's really frustrating that's always the way though i mm. think with the with the archive is like we've got so much like really interesting really valuable stuff but whenever you actually want to find one this specific thing out they will never have it <laughs> <laughs> so You've been, Mimi, you've been kind of going through the archive mm -hmm. recently. I wonder what are the, the interesting things that you've come across? What, and, and also, I guess, for both of you, what, what actually do the archives contain? So we've talked a bit about letters, um, but there's so many other things as well. We've got like catalogues and meetings from minutes. What other stuff uh, is in there? 
lots of stuff honestly <laughs> <laughs> end the of best sentence way to next describe question. it isn't it yeah. yeah um but yeah we've got kind of membership records um from the entire library history i was going through um like membership payment book from the start of the library's history in like the late 1700s and um i found well recently actually um benjamin gott who was an industrialist um, like a big industrious figure in, in Leeds history, quite a controversial one actually. He he owned Armley Mill from I think about eighteen twenty or eighteen twelve, something like that. Um, and he had another mill where the workers were so dissatisfied for with him. Apparently, there was a rumor that he kept a gun under his pillow. So I'm not sure how much of that leaked into his correspondence with the library. But you know, it's, you're always finding out new stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's like letters and receipts and the trustees yeah which trustees. is the documents it's a large document uh, originally dated from 1825 but there's a later amendment in the 1840s that sets out the way in which the library operated so mm. it sets the number of shares it sets the, sets the way it's, it's going to govern um and i find that fascinating because it has all the signatures in mm. um and it's you know things like that Newspaper clippings. Yeah, newspaper good old clippings. Frank Beckwith. Yeah, um, old Frank. He old was the Frank. librarian uh, from when was it? It's like nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. I think it was at the tail end of the. It would be before. The yeah, it was before so it's late thirties, mid to late thirties, wasn't it? Yeah. and then right up until well, it was after the after nineteen sixty eight, so probably nineteen sixty nine ish, I think. Yeah, so he was the librarian here for a long time, and he he was a bit of an archivist. Um, or a hoarder. I um, have a theory. Probably both. Oh, please share. What's the theory? I have a theory. Well, he knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. so I think some of the things that he kept was him saying, this is me and how I want to be reflected in the archive. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, because there's letters... We've got parts of the archive here. They've got bits up at the university that his family donated to them. Mm. So we've got correspondence with people from doing his own personal research. They've got correspondence between him and what we know to be library members. Mm. And I just it's just some of the things that he's kept. It's it's like the the dear Frank letters as I call them, which are the ones to his son. They contain memories of library life and descriptions. Mm. Do we have a full set of those? I mm. don't know, but he's obviously kept them because they contain that. So that's somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, he does some kind of baffling archi- archivist choices as well. Like I recently finished um, going through a, it's just a finance log book from 1942 up to 1944, I think it was, mm-hmm. what the, um, Beckwith had like pasted um, like unmovably pasted um, tens and tens of letters um, from the kind of 1820s, which is a period we don't have a lot of letters from because, well, there's a theory that they yeah. were damaged in a flood in the yeah. basement um, in like, what was it, the late 1800s? It's the late sort of Victorian period. Yeah. I've not come across the evidence for it, but you can see it in the damage of the earlier stuff. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, he made some interesting choices. It's really interesting that, I mean, you don't think of uh, archive work as something that's particularly ego-driven. Mm. But actually, I, I suppose it is in a way. Yeah. I don't know. It's I really like, um, there's a whole genre of art to do with archives and yeah. personal archives mm-hmm. and things like that. I think one of my favourite kind of pieces, Andy Warhol made these like, quote-unquote archives. He basically just put all his trash from his, his yeah. office. He was a bit of a hoarder into boxes and stored them away they were kind of time capsules and then they've 
they've they were they have a museum yeah i think it's an andy warhol museum in america and they uh, have have recently been opening the boxes and and cataloging everything that's in there and it is just you know some of it's bits of trash and some of it's really amazing uh, kind of tickets to exhibitions and mm. and because often with archives and certainly personal archives the way it's it's left in its it, that sort of is the final context so the context yeah. and how it's arranged is important so if he's yeah. knowing that he's yeah. just gone here's well, he this would pile know, of yeah. stuff yeah. I think I, where yeah. was I hearing about this maybe it was another podcast mm. but I think there was a um someone in the Tate Museum had mm. access to the archives he was a donor and he he went in the archives and and edited them and added mm. bits and pieces in to kind of increase the value of these fake artworks that he had that I think it was he was collaborating with some I think it's a teacher or something yeah. who was painting these fakes and then he was kind of um adding the documentation to the archives and selling them for loads of money yeah so archives can be they're not um always truthful or accurate which I think is really interesting yeah they're very mutable I mean I think honestly archives like diaries and any other kind of form of story are just a way of telling human stories Mm. um and you know sometimes those stories may not be particularly interesting um but they're always stories of lives um and you know what we've done and what the people who've walked the library halls before us have done Mm. um and i think just like with any other story there can be unreliable narrators um i suppose that's why you need um new training really to to be able to actually you know archive to the you know in the most accurate way um that you Mm. can so that information isn't distorted or personalities aren't kind of because uh, often manipulated. Yeah. in the archive as it is at the moment various people have done their own arrangements of things so sometimes mm. you get a list of correspondence that's just in date order and mm. it can be about any subject mm-hmm. and then sometimes you will get it well somebody's extracted all the correspondence relating to a particular subject whether that's building work for example yeah we've got um, lot, we've got one box that's essentially exclusively um letters between the leeds library and the harrods um circulatory yeah. lending library yeah and so it's it's sort of there's not been a consistent, mm. you know, yeah. way in which it's been arranged. I think various people over the years have had, had a go at it. I mean, anyone who's ever tried to reorganise their computer files, yeah, uh, yeah. knows how difficult it is to. <laughs> imagine all of those were like tiny pieces of paper. Some yeah. of them were falling apart, and we're like over a hundred years old, and that's basically our job. <laughs> but then you've got other things, and this is going back to Beckwith again. So when he wrote um, the book on the history of the library in 1968, there's a little brown box. And in that brown box, there's lots of bits and pieces. Mm. And taking to why are they all there? And you look at it and you think that's when he was writing the book because mm. there was um, the original tickets for the library, which feature in the book, mm-hmm. um, which, again, this is a problem with our archive. If you didn't know, that box, I found that box in a cupboard in the mm. basement along with a whole load of other stuff you could have got some dude gone what's all this rubbish and then it would have been gone yeah yeah it's Um, a really interesting issue i i i've talked briefly and and next week we're gonna talk to Anne and erin from the henry moore archive yeah um but she and and library 
but Erin works with the, the kind of the sculptors archives mm-hmm. and they're often donated mm. and there is a she was talking about whether you how how you order them so do you because often the the original order mm-hmm. will show how an artist works yeah and and that order is like important to preserve yeah. whereas sometimes it's not necessarily yes. as important and it's better to there's things by yes. alphabetical order or dates yeah, or yeah yeah I mean I I tend to because a lot of the library archive is not listed or catalogued at the moment so we've got a lot of boxes and we're just not sure really what's in there so that's that's what I'm doing a lot at the moment um and I'm kind of mostly listing them in chronological order but which has a lot of merits um especially when you're looking for something specifically as a researcher but also, it, you know, it has it down, has its sound sides. There's a lot of the time where I'm kind of referencing, you know, there'll be a story with a through line between different letters from different years. Mm. And these are, you know, kind of, sometimes they're in different boxes. Sometimes they're, you know, just far away from each other in the actual box because they're in different years. And, you know, a different archivist might have filed those together and that would be mm. extremely valid. I suppose with institutional archives, it's slightly different because you do sort of need things to be chronological and yeah yeah. and that in a way is kind of also how they would have received them yeah um yeah absolutely so you know i think think the way hopefully that we can overcome that is when we finally get to putting it on heritage or whatever cataloging that we we can then link these things Mm. together that way yeah um you know in the in the way that you do because cataloging has a different set of standards but it's the way you would when you're cataloging the book and you've got your subject entries and your keywords Mm. You know, we can put that and pull it together. Yeah, um, which would be good. Yeah, Definitely. it's interesting to to think how you know different kinds of archives need to reflect the different kinds of functions that they serve, mm. basically. Mm. So, I know that there are a couple of stories about the archives, or not about the archives, but stories that can be told through the archives that we mm. found out. Um, and the first one of those is the Firewatch. Mm-hmm. So during the wartime, that's the kind of the favourite one, I think, of everyone. Yes. Yeah, we've just got such incredible stuff in it. It has. When when I first discovered it, I was like, wow. And I was like, oh, Blitz on Leeds, let's see what they've got to say. Yeah. It's going to have some, and it just says Blitz on Leeds, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, That's it. And it was like, but I mean, a little bit later on, it does mention, you know, another incident where incendiary bombs fall either side of the library. So we know we got you know, completely missed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, also, in, including one in what is the new building that we've just purchased. Yeah, so for a bit of context, <laughs> um, the Firewatch box, are, we've got about three kind of boxes of documents and, mm. and logs and things um, concerning the commercial street. I think it does it cover Albion Street as well, but certainly commercial, commercial street, street block. branch of the um, Firewatch, I don't know, department group? Um, organization that was set up, I think it was by the Leeds Council or something like that something in the Second World War to um, essentially have like a rota of people who, um, well, mostly men who who would watch for bombs. Mostly men too old to go to war. Yes, or too young. Or too to young. Go. Yeah. Um, and so Frank Beckwith, there he is again, good old Beckwith, <laughs> um, was the was he the secretary for the commercial street group something like that he was he was important in, he was in, in charge that of it he was running yeah. it really yeah he was running it so we have a lot of documents from that mm. time which are honestly fascinating especially if you're interested in that period but 
you know, we've got log books that kind of trace through, um, oh no, incident books um, that trace yeah. through all of the shifts for essentially the entire Second World War. You can kind of trace down when there were attacks um, and when there were blitz attacks essentially every day for the entire war. Like I, I, I could see if there was a blitz attack on my birthday <laughs> for the entire war. Yeah. Incidentally, there were none. Um, so I don't know what that says about me, but you're welcome, question mark. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we've got loads of um, application letters as well for men, as Anna said, kind of too old or too young to be conscripted into the actual army service who were applying for paid fire watch positions as well there's there's one that's my favorite where the gentleman um who he was he was an older gentleman included a photograph of himself kind of walking very heroically down the pier with his application letter didn't hire him which i think is a mistake um but there you go and then on, on to offset that you've got little bits and pieces so there's there's a little slip in there somewhere isn't there about when they decided to take the free tea for firewatch workers away yeah, yeah. Um, or they, they de- the, the ration was taken yeah. away from them so they yeah. weren't able to provide any more and then you've got other little snippets where because there's sick notes in there as well isn't yeah. there so there's one chap who said oh please don't make me dust the books but rest assured if bombs fall i will be there <laughs> yeah um, yeah there's one guy who got caught fire watching while drunk in the library i think he got fired i think he got fired but it was towards the end of the war and then there's lots of newspaper clippings about naughty fire watch workers yeah. and the things have been getting up to so obviously after the yeah. incident it's like well what else and, and all of this is being kept and so that's where it becomes not just about the history of the library and yeah. Beckwith, but yeah. that sort of wider. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's like really detailed records of what the street looked like because we've got diagrams of the street that they made to indicate where they were putting kind of fire watching supplies, which mm. is really fascinating. Did they? Am I right in thinking maybe this is um, my overactive imagination? Did they find a, an unexploded yeah. bomb next yeah. door, like so, quite recently? Oh, I don't, I don't know if it was recently, but okay. there was, as Anna said, there was one that wasn't recorded, but that we have evidence of being talked about in the archives, mm. is um, a fire watcher, maybe from a different group, I think it was, or a, or a library fire watcher. Well, they, they dealt with the one which was at LG&G, which was basically, it was an insurance company, I think, which is now Starbucks building. Okay. So they dealt with one there, and then, it, from memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it, it was like they'd realised another one had fallen at the other side, so they went to deal with that. Yeah, that um, was in WH Smith at the time, which is now 15 Commercial Street, which the yes. library's just bought. Used yes. to be the Trespass. Um, but, which is referred to as the new building, I think. Yeah, WH Smith was renting it at the time. Because, yeah. you know, part of how we know is that they um, were tenants of the library, because the library rents out a lot of the, the shops underneath the building. Um and they were kind of sending letters to the library like, hello, we've had a lot of damage because of this bomb falling on us. It didn't explode, thankfully. <laughs> um, like, can you can you pay this, please? Because you're our landlord. And the library was like, no, we don't own 15 Commercial Street. XOXO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny the kind of uh, little kind of, um, what's the word? When something's very unimportant. The um, interactions, aren't they? Yeah, yeah but like... actually, you they become quite relevant. Yeah, definitely. Um, Even just from like a human interest perspective. Like, yeah. I think one of my favourite things I found recently is I'm, I'm currently cataloguing Box 4, um, which is a lot of letters from um, 1908 up to 1917, I think. Um, and I just found one from the beginning of 1908 where it was an author of a book 
um, something to do with like layman's religion that it's, they'd sent around free copies to lots of different circulating libraries and Leeds for some reason had sent theirs back um, or the DA Cruz the librarian at the time had sent it back with a letter being like under no circumstances do we require this book and so it was a letter from the author being like well happy Leeds is to have such a pope as you defending their like religious religious piety <laughs> and saying well actually like if you look at the newspaper reviews for my book they all say it's quite good but who knows Savage. it's like the devil can be anywhere i suppose yeah it was <laughs> so funny this guy was so angry that's fantastic yeah it was brilliant so yeah i mean i guess any other interesting stories that you can think of or, or bits and pieces from the archive i'm just dragging this and this is sort of falling on in a way as a as you know an antidote to what you've just said i remember coming across um again beckwith but you know the Lady Chatterley's lover and how yeah. there was a lot of you know controversy. And controversy and and I would have thought, given how the library was when I first started here, and it sort of seemed quite stuffy that and that I would have thought it'd be quite stuffy back then as well. But there's him writing in support of not banning mm. it and not oh, and actually so having access to it. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting. I haven't come across it since the first time I saw oh, it. So I'll if you find it, open, do let me know. Yeah, that's definitely worth saying. Um because in. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Um because that's not what I would have expected. No. Not um, from Frank either. I mean no. he seemed like a pleasant guy but yeah. um yeah. it's interesting as well because I know that there is a lot of I mean especially in trustee minutes. So mm. those are really interesting because again it is the history of how the library organizes itself runs itself yeah and also it's kind attitudes of, to different books exactly so you have actually because we date from 1768 you have the, this kind of tracked history of the novel becoming mm. a popular form of fiction yeah. and something that was perceived to be kind of a lower form of 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 writing and mostly for women. Yeah, well, which is really don't interesting. Forget the banned book, so like the pupils of pleasure. Yes, um, which yeah. which was voted to be removed, but then they couldn't find it. Is that right? I can't remember. I know I know they got rid of it, and then afterwards they didn't like the fact that they were sort of censoring it, so yeah. they decided not to include it. There were two, and I can't remember the name of the other one. Uh, okay, that yeah. one just sticks in mind because it's uh, from what I remember, it's a little bit like. Tristram Shandy, um, okay. you know, that sort of written by a vicar, but a bit racy. Okay. Um, yeah, there's lots of entertaining letters kind of about the quality of like the books that the library has from patrons as well. Yeah. Like I, I remember there's kind of in a similar vein, one from a woman um, from like, oh, like 1898 or 1889 or something like that, um, where she she's writing to the library, like complaining about, she calls it the book consumption. Uh, um, that's like not suitable for reading um, and should be taken off of the shelves and she's glad she got to it before her granddaughter did or something like that and we, we actually tried to track the book down to see what it was about but we couldn't find it that was another case of the archives yes. having everything you need but the one thing you need <laughs> yeah there's um and the lost property notices as well yeah, you yeah. were talking about are quite yeah, interesting yeah they're, they're fabulous and just the way that they're written as well so people yeah. in the walking sticks so I think about yeah. a packet of meat or something and you know and it's just just they're, they were just brilliant yeah um, I, I did find one letter that I quite liked because I'm, I'm interested in fashion history just kind of as a hobby um, and there was a letter from a woman I think in the 1870s being like oh I've, I've left my kind of 
um, mother of pearl inlaid bookmark and, and my parasol in the library. Like, please, if you find them, can you get them for me? That um, definitely says something about the kind of members. Yeah, the definitely. Who are members but I remember period. just reading it thinking like, oh, I'd want that back as well. Yeah. That's just remind me as well. Other interesting things we've got that little bit of material, haven't we? Cloth from the yes, yeah. uniform. So this again was kind of we've we've got a lot of boxes of letters from like the latter half of the 18th century, which is why a lot of these are kind of 1890s, uh, 1880s. But I think this was like 1883 or something like that. Um, it's a letter from a tailor because I think the library used to have um, like maybe a member of the army or some kind of like yeah that there were ex-army servicemen posted outside the library as a kind of guard or something they were downstairs yeah we used to have a counter so you know we've got mm-hmm. the exhibition um displays now yeah the there foyer. was a counter which is um actually out at store mm. um i've got there's pictures in the archive that mm-hmm. you'll see it looks a lot grander than the current thing that's at store but they were posted down there there was a little hoist so people could come in or send their servants in and not even have to come upstairs. The books would be sent up and down in the hoist, so that's why they were stationed down there. Yeah, but there's uh, this letter is from a tailor. Um, obviously, the library's written to them asking to get some kind of like specialised Leeds Library uniform for them. It's so sweet. They talk about having like the Leeds Library um, embroidered onto the pocket, and they've included this gorgeous, like really well preserved. It's really nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, piece of like really high quality kind of wool like navy royal blue fabric um in the middle of the letter that's still there which was such an amazing find and again that sort of brings more people to life yeah instead of like we have this person who used to be stationed ourselves there's a little yeah you know glimpse into what they were wearing it's not just a list of names you know it's Mm. what they did what their days were like what people thought of them isn't there something to it that you might not come across it yet i'm sure there's a bit of a controversy controversy with one of the commissioners that they Mm. employed I'm, I'm sure, sure I came across something about well, that. I'll keep my eyes open for that too. <laughs> we love controversies yes. in the archives. <laughs> yes, I don't know if they've been up to no good. I can't remember because a lot of the archive, it's a long time since I've looked at it. Um, so I, I have this memory of seeing lots of things, but I can't remember where or yeah. when. Yeah. Yeah, that's always the way though. Someone will bring something up and you'll be yes. like, I've seen something about that in the archive, yes. which is why I've tried to write things down so much. So, it yeah. is interesting how they do these archives really to kind of put colour into the life of how yeah. the library was back then. I know that um, the Morab Library, so we talked to Lisa from the Morab mm-hmm. Library a few weeks ago, and she they have um, a Cornish collection there, mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily the library's archive, mm-hmm. but it's a collection of things that have been donated. Yeah. So they've got scrapbooks with different types of seaweed that people Lovely. have donated, and um, she's talking about like meteorological... Meteor- meteorological i don't know mm-hmm. how you say that word readings it. from some a farmer yeah so he's he's um kind of recorded them and then donated that and, and images from kind of the surrounding area yeah old photographs I've got this amazing photographic archive yeah and it kind of tells the history of of that area in a really lovely way yeah. i think i think it's similar here i mean it's it's a lot more kind of words and letters based in our archive that's yeah. mostly what we have as letters but that even that still it's just the little glimpses of kind of into people's lives where you kind of draw the conclusion that people are are and will always be people like well, some of my favorites nothing changes yeah that is what we keep coming back yeah, to some of my, yeah exactly like some of my favorites um that i've found from the kind of letters in like the, the 1880s is um just a couple of letters from a um, reverend's wife 
just being like, oh yes, sorry, like we will return this book. It's just uh, I've been run off my feet with guests. And, like <laughs> the the house has uh, been, you know, kind of a complete mess. And she uses some kind of like lovely language for it. But yeah, it's just like that. Just sounds like my mum mm. <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, maybe not in those words, but the sentiments the same. Yeah, it's nice. It's 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 quite comforting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it really is. I was going to say one of the things that I also like are the um, testimonies that bring the people of the library to life so again I am going back to Beckwith but he wrote out to people who used to work here in the past when he was here mm, and previous he librarians. got these previous librarians to find out you know what do you remember and mm. there's some great fantastic descriptions within that that brings these people to life and it makes you think what's the reflection of our time here yeah, yeah. you know yeah. if somebody looks back in a hundred years who are we and how are yeah. we reflected? Will we be just these flat names on a sheet of paper? This no, person? we'll be podcasts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be podcasters first and archivists second. Some of us will, but we'll not live all on of us, as but a yeah. podcast. But the, yeah. then it is that sort of yeah. what were these people like? How yeah. did they interact with the people? You know, there's a little snippet about McAllister being chased, you know, having to hide himself away from. Um, you know, one of the members because she kept bothering him and stuff like yeah. that. And again, nothing changes because you, you sort of. Yeah. But it it's you know those little details. I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I think that's why you go into archives or you know any kind mm. of thing like that. Is that you just? I think for me, the like real shift in my thinking. I was like maybe seventeen and like going round a kind of old abbey or something like that. Um, because that's what my family likes to do. There's nothing uh, wrong with that. No, I quite like an old Abbey myself. Not at all. But I, I remember just kind of like walking around and thinking like people just like me also did this hundreds of years ago. Like all of the people in history that you kind of think about in abstract, like, you know, the Romans um, or, you mm. know, the medieval people, people from the Victorian period are just people who lived in a different time with you. And you probably would find some common ground or something to talk about with them even if it's just the weather yeah exactly it's nice that we can yeah and and i think also that's part of the work we do in terms of making the archive accessible and and using it to tell stories because often i think it is worth saying archival work and archives are really boring because i disagree absolutely fascinating but that might just be me yeah but i mean it's it's what it's the information you can yeah glean from them and yeah. and, and that in what context it provides yeah. and and what it says in light of you know the other, con- yeah. other historical kind of yeah. context and that's it's, interesting it's worth it for the bits of personality that you find exactly but but having i think what's interesting is is having people is, is doing the work and using it to tell stories i think and and that's that's always going to be really fascinating and important i yeah, think we definitely. actually have somebody coming to use the archive yeah. tomorrow um they are doing um a phd thesis and they're looking at um women readers and their access to dante allegra oh. yeah um, so they're coming to look um at our borrowing records of course which are not complete yeah but we've got enough for them to be looking at. So I, I mean, I suppose it is worth saying actually that the the library and archive is kind of accessible to yes. researchers for yeah, absolutely. free, very much so. which we Just welcome. Go through go through the Leeds Library website. Um, if any of the stuff that we've talked about sounds interesting or relevant to you, I mean, even people just looking at family history. If yeah. you live in Leeds, 
um, and you're looking up your family history, you can always like feel free to drop me an email. I'll um, give it to Molly to pop in the description of the podcast or, or something like that. Mm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just drop me an email and I'll, I'll, I'll have a bit of a dig for you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, guys, for, for chatting to me about the archive. I feel like I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know before. So I'm going to have to get you to show me some of the, the cloth. I'd love to yeah, see. Um, wonderful. This has been a podcast from the Leeds Library. Links to more information about our guests and any works talked about can be found in the description. If you'd like to find out more about the Leeds Library and any of our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.theleedslibrary.org.uk or you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at the Leeds Library. Thank you for listening and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more tales from the Leeds Library in our future episodes released every Wednesday.